Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. I mean, and give the Lord a shout of triumph for what he has done, for what he's going to do. We honor you this morning, Jesus. You're alive. You're living. We're thankful you're in this house today. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Oh, somebody shout that. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed be your name today, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We among all people are so very blessed and honored to feel what we feel, to be where we are. Because if we were honest, we could say if it had not been for the Lord that was on our side, where would we be? There's probably a cemetery not too far from here that every one of us, if we were honest, knew we'd be there. But thanks be to God, we're in the house and, and we're feeling the presence of God. Oh, so, oh, come on now. Amen, amen, amen. Well, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. All right, we're going to have to do it this way this morning. Praise God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look amazing this morning. You look amazing this morning. I okay, tell them, I like your outfit. Well, now that that's out the way, let's try it again. If it had not been for the Lord that was on our side, where would we be? You came to an apostolic church this morning. And we're going to do things the apostolic way. Oh, clap your hands, all you people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Thank you, Jesus, that you brought us here. Thank you, God, for your touch and your blood. We honor you today. We love you, Jesus. It's feeling better in here already. Yeah, somebody just turned on the jet turbos, man. We about to have church up in here. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. It's an incredible honor to be here, GBFPC, traveling. We have the opportunity to touch many lives and many people. And when you come to a place as special as this, you find that not only... Your ministry touched lives, but your ministry and your life is also touched. And we're thankful to be here. I give honor to Pastor and Sister Bradford. We're blessed and better for knowing them. And our respect, love, and honor knows no bounds. Love you. Are you thankful for your pastor and his wife this morning? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Brother Peyton and Sister London, the more we're around them, the more we like them. Amen. The addition of GBFPC, winning them one soul at a time. Some of you boys got to get busy. Amen. Get out there. Hallelujah. Fill this house up. Amen. And of course, Sister Paisley, the way we do it is just, we just tell our girls, I don't think Paisley would do that. I think Paisley would eat all of her food and vegetables, and that just seems to work. 
We love each and every one of you. It's an honor to be with Bishop and Sister Winkler. Had the honor of celebrating that transition service with them just a few short weeks ago. It's been made mention today is Resurrection Sunday. And I, 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 my heart's desire this morning is not only that we rejoice at an empty tomb and experience the power of the almighty and risen God, but my earnest prayer today is that everybody in this house will find ourselves at the foot of the cross looking into the eyes of our Savior and feeling his unmatched love for each of us. If we can get there, if we can get there as a congregation, I feel like more could be done in just a few shortened minutes when all of eternity will be able to note and tell in, in the full full work of Calvary to be accomplished today by somebody being filled with this marvelous gift of the Holy Ghost. Brothers and sisters, it can happen today. It can happen down here at the well. This promise is unto you and to your children. Calvary is still as effective today as it was in centuries and days gone by. This morning, I am going to choose a text. By the help of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to beeline it to the cross. And if you'll be patient with me, allow us to follow after the Spirit. If the Lord will be so gracious to us this morning, we're going to take a journey through the Word of God. We're going to see what He'll do in our behalf. Ecclesiastes, the 10th chapter. Your Bibles, if you've got it, we're going to look at the rise, the wise writings of Solomon. And he gives us some advice. He tells us a couple of things that I want to look at this morning. Ecclesiastes, the 10th chapter, verse number 8. He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it. And whoso breaketh in the hedge, a serpent shall bite him. Let's move down to verse number 11 for the sake of time. Surely the serpent will bite without enchantment, and a babbler is no better. This morning I want to talk about, I'll entitle this message, for memory's sake, Snake Bit. Snake Bit. If you can agree with this statement, turn to your neighbor and say, the only good snake is a dead snake. The only good snake is a dead snake. <laughs> Amen. The Lord bless you. You can be seated this morning. I was reading not too many days ago about a term known as the cobra effect. It's a term that was coined by an economist named Horst Siebert, and it's based on an anecdotal occurrence that took place in India 
under British rule. In Delhi, there was a bounty. There was a, a unbelievable, unprecedented infection, if you can call it that, of cobra snakes that were rampant and running wild. There were individuals that had suffered the bite of the cobra. And hospitals were overwhelmed with the, the effect of the snakes that were loose. And so the British government decided what we are going to do to take care of this problem, snakes and cobras, is let's offer a bounty to these people. And so everybody that brought in a dead cobra received a few coins. The enterprising people began to not only catch the loose predator, but began to go into the snake breeding business. And eventually, the British government found out, and they said, oh, I, I think we're going to have to end this program. And so they did. However, the, 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 the snakes that had been bred and that were being held captive were eventually let loose into the streets. And so the problem then at the end was far worse than it was in the beginning. Watch me now. You see, there is a way to deal with a snake. You can put all of your human ingenuity behind it. But at some point, if you're going to be freed from a snake, you've got to take on a supernatural and a Holy Ghost way, a Holy Ghost dominion over that snake. Or else the problem at the end is going to be much worse than it was in the beginning. Scripture tells us that if you break through a wall, a safeguard, you're going to be snake bit. And if you, if you handle a snake, I'm starting to feel so good up here, I almost forgot where I was. I was about to misbehave. We ain't snake handlers around here. We don't do that, all right? Nobody here does that. Amen. But if you do, before it's charm, if you're interested in that kind of thing. You're going to, to be snake bit. There is a situation in which serpents will bite. One is when it is in fear. And when a snake is, is in fear, it will inject up to ten times greater the amount of venom when they bite. There is a certain atmosphere that snakes cannot handle. There is a certain atmosphere in which a snake will reach out and bite and inject its venom. We read about this in Acts the 28th chapter when the apostle Paul had come to the island of Melita. There was a fire that was built and old brother apostle Paul decided that he wanted to add a couple of sticks to bring up the heat of that fire. And when he did, a snake reached out and bit him. 
I just got to tell us this morning that, that an atmosphere that the snake can't handle, oh, we're going to blow up the 20-minute record this morning. I feel it. I feel it. Amen. I'm going to do 40 minutes in one service. Amen. Multiply it times two. Amen. The roast won't burn, I promise. Hallelujah. You ain't blaming the preacher for the burnt roast this morning, let me tell you. A snake, a snake reached out and, and bit the apostle Paul because he decided he wanted to turn the heat up. I'm here to tell us this morning that if you are fighting some things, what you ought to do is turn the heat up by putting one more prayer on the fire, by putting one more praise on the fire, by lifting up your voice and shouting hallelujah one more time and turning up the heat. I feel like we ought to stop right now and let's turn up the heat. Does anybody got a praise? Does anybody got a prayer? They want to lift up to God and turn up the heat. There ain't no telling what will happen when the saints of God begin to praise. So the story goes on and says that the people that were gathered around that fire looked at the apostle Paul and he should have swollen or fallen down suddenly. But they looked and after a while, nothing happened. And these, you, you got it. We got to stop here and look at this because the people that doubted all of a sudden became believers. Those that said the apostle Paul got what he deserved in judgment found out that if Paul had just turned up the heat on it, everything was on. I'm here to tell you this morning, no matter what your doubters say, no matter what those around you say, you just keep turning up the heat and it won't be very long that those that doubt you, uh, those that talk about you are going to find out, oh, there's something going on down there at that church. Uh, there's something going on uh, in that individual. When he praises, uh, when he prays, uh, something happens. Uh, there are devils that get mad, uh, but God gets glad uh, and he comes out victorious every time. Snake bit. Poison of a snake is categorized into three poisons or toxicities. Hemotoxic, neurotoxic, and cytotoxic. The hemotoxins after a snake bite will begin to act upon the cardiovascular system, causing the heart and the blood to swell and to coagulate, and it'll cause issues that will lead to necrosis. Neurotoxins that begin to work on the brain, the mind, and the nervous system. Paralysis sets in, and you can't feel the way that you used to feel. And then finally, the cytotoxins begin to work and the body literally begins to die. That's what happens when you're bit by a snake. If I were a doctor this morning, it would be my 
duty to look back at the index case or the first person that was bit by a serpent to find a healing agent. But brothers and sisters, I'm not a doctor. What I am is a preacher. And I understand that in this last day, there have been snakes that have been loosed and there have been some minds that have been affected, some hearts that have begun to grow cold and some bodies that have begun to die. And so to understand what needs to happen, Oh, hallelujah. I'm over halfway done already. We got to go back and look at the first person that was bit by a snake. The Bible tell us, tells us in Genesis, the third chapter, in the first verse, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And when he injected his venom, the what happened, the symptoms was Eve began to question the authority of God. If you've been bit by the serpent, the first thing that will begin to happen is you're going to begin to push borders and you're going to begin to ask yourself, well, did God really say? Mm. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, church, we've got a duty this morning. This may be the only service some come to until Christmas. And I feel like stopping right here. I'm not going to be bound by time this morning, but I feel like putting my finger on something. If you're questioning God, it's not a sign of your intellectual capability, but it's a sign that you've been interacting with a serpent, and that serpent has bit you. There's a difference between questioning God and having questions about God. There's a difference in looking at how much you can get by with in the midnight hour rather than waking up and saying, God, are you really there? And can I feel after you? And can I touch you? God, please don't come tonight. I've got a question. Are you real? There's a difference between the two. Symptoms, the price of being snake bit is a heart that grows hard and cold. The, the, the symptom of being snake bit is a mind that is eaten up with depression and eaten up with anger and bitterness. The symptoms of being snake or thoughts that fight one against another in tears that are so bitter when they come to the eye, they refuse to fall because of pride. That's the result of being snake bent. The result of being snake bent will lead you to sin, and that sin will cause there to become a Visible, marred, broken visage. Oh my. Just last night, my wife and I drove. We made a wrong turn and we ended up 
up across town where I looked at some people that were snake pit. A lady standing on a corner writhing and talking to herself and I understood that's not the result of somebody that was seeking success but that's the result of somebody that's been snake bit and sin. It will bring forth death. I'm afraid that in this day the snake has taken on such an attitude of pride and intellectual superiority that many find themselves in a place where they think thoughts that are not right. Where they seek after pleasures that will only lead to death. You've got to be careful. You've got to be careful. Just as the serpent caused Eve to question some things, that subtle serpent will take on an attitude and a, and a visage that will cause you to question some things. There are a lot of people that are worried about the mark of the beast. But the original mark of the beast is the question mark. Mm. I feel like I've, uh, we've shifted in this house just now. I feel conviction coming into this house right now. I want somebody to lift their hands and talk to God. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Exposing the serpent. Exposing the serpent. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. The only remedy or cure for a snake's venom is an anti-venom or an antidote. Snake's anti-venom is made up of antibodies that are used to treat the snake bite. As the music comes this morning and prepares to play, I was reading in a scientific journal that, that what needs to happen is there's got to be a donor animal that will receive the venom. And when that venom is injected into that animal, the blood will begin to go to work. And when that blood begins to go to work, it will yield an anti-venom. Then that blood is withdrawn from that animal. Gone through a scientific process. Simple as I can understand it, it spins around and, and that anti-venom is withdrawn. And that anti-venom is injected into the person that has been bitten. And I read this. Biologists have found that the best animal is a lamb or a sheep. And so the cure, Sister Eve, is when I hear a voice walking in the garden asking a question. Where are you? You see the difference? Did God say, or Eve, Adam, where are you? I've got the cure for that serpent. And the Lord 
prepared a sacrifice. The Lord himself prepared a sacrifice. But not only did the Lord prepare the sacrifice, the Lord himself became the sacrifice. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins, the snake bite of the world. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep. Before her shearers is dumb, he opened not his mouth. Jesus said, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for the remission of sins. You see, without the shedding of blood, There's no taking away of the sting of bitterness. There's no taking away in healing and deliverance from these sins that have you bound. Without the shedding of blood, there's no healing for the sin-sick soul. Without the shedding of his blood, there is no remission of sin. So when they began to sing, thank you, Jesus, for the cleansing blood. There was a moment in the service where we moved past the tomb and we started following the beeline, the bloodline, to the cross. As we get closer, I want us to see that there was a time when the people in their journey, Numbers 21, verses number 6 says, The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And every one of them were bitten by serpents. Finally, verse number 7, the people came to Moses and said, Moses, the result of this serpent was sin. And we've sinned. How long has it been? Oh, God. How long has it been since you were honest enough with yourself to stop and look at your situation and say it wasn't mom's fault? It wasn't dad's fault. It's not my predisposition. I'm not even blaming the devil, but I'm looking unto you, God. God, I have sinned. And the Lord told Moses, Moses, the way to take these serpents away is I want you to wrap a serpent around a pole and everyone that has been bitten by the 
a serpent. I want them to look up. When they look up upon that serpent, they're not going to die, but they're going to live. If you'll help me, media team, John 3 and 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have ever have eternal life. For God so loved the world. You hear that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You know what Calvary was about? It was about that spotless, sinless lamb looking into a cup of every sin. If you'll allow me, looking at the venom, saying, I can't, I can't, I can't. But because of love, that lamb was willing to take the sins that you have committed, that I have committed. Every crossword that I have spoken, every place that I've been ashamed to say that I've been and that you've been, he took that venom. And he drank it. When he did, Sinless blood began to go to work. I can see him hanging there. I can see him in pain as he struggles for a breath and lifts himself and says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And I can hear the cries of them in the courtyard saying, His blood be upon us and our children. They had no idea what they were saying. I want that blood to be upon me, to be upon my children. Because that blood that began to flow at Calvary is flowing at this altar tonight, this morning, and it's flowing, and it's, it's got your name on it. And I rejoice at the empty tomb, but today my heart can't yeah, get past the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the cleansing. There are some in this house. Oh, my. You're struggling with where you're living. You hate what you've done. This morning as you shaved to get ready to come to Easter, all you saw was shame in the mirror. 
But I want to point you to a God that robed himself in flesh to take away your shame, to take away the reproach of sin, and to literally lift you out where you are and set you in a that is prominent and glorious to take away your sin and your reproach and to cast it away as far as the east is from the west. And like he rose, he wants you to rise. I'm not preaching once saved, always saved, and I'm not preaching once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. I'm preaching to you today that a spotless lamb with precious blood has already paid a price that you do not have to pay. Do you think brokenness belongs to you? He paid the price. Do you think your family ought to be cast aside in far corners of the earth? He's already paid the price. What he wants you to do is to be honest and say, I have sinned. I have sinned. I have sinned. And I'm suffering with the effects of the snake bite. But I'm here, God, to partake of your sacrifice. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And just like he rose, I know that I will rise. But first, I've got to come to the foot of the cross. As we stand together, I've got much more to preach, but I'm going to stop here because I feel the Holy Ghost. The media team will help me. Mark 16, verse 16. I want to read this in your presence this morning. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues. Verse 18. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. There's power in the blood. Luke 10 and 19. Luke 10 and 19. Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That 
that first word there, I want us to see this. I give unto you power. You know what that word power is? I give you authority to tread upon serpents. This is, this is the altar call instructions this morning. I give you authority to tread upon serpents. And that next word, power, over all the power of the enemy, that's not authority. The enemy has no authority. But what that word is, over all of the ability of the enemy. You see, the snake might have ability, but this morning, God has given you authority. You know what I feel like needs to happen in the house this morning? There are some men and women that need to take authority over the serpents that have been in your homes, that have been plaguing your mind, that have been bringing anxiety and depression. You need to bring it to the altar where the blood flows. Oh God, there are some marriages in this house that are in trouble. You've been fighting and you don't even understand why. I'm here to tell you, there have been some snakes that have injected the venom into your marriage. And husbands, you need to take your wives this morning, this Easter morning, down to the altar where the blood is flowing and say this morning, baby, we're going to take authority over this serpent. And we're going to plunge it neath the blood. And just like Jesus rose, this Easter morning is going to represent a new day in our life and our family. And we're never going to be the same. Is there anybody? I know I've gone very long. I know I've gone very long. But I wonder if there's anybody that wants to come today, wants to repent of their sin wants to have that blood applied to their life and to their situation. Is there anybody that wants to take authority over the ability of the serpent? Is there anybody that's been bound by sin and addiction that's tired of that life that wants God to do something miraculous in you? Take authority and repentance tonight.